Welcome, everyone. This is Julie Costin, and you are at the Inclusion Podcast, Episode 3, and it's called The Necessary Conditions. I am so excited for this podcast, and it is all centered around a question written by an administrator about how to create the conditions for inclusive education to begin. So I love the question. Can't wait to get started. Before I get started, though, I wanted to share with you something that might be useful. So I don't know if people know about this, but if you'd like to come see me live, we are hosting a Summer Leadership Institute at Syracuse University. And it's this upcoming summer, August 6th through 8th, 2018. And I cannot wait for this. This is our 10th anniversary of this particular event, and it is called Inclusion Fest 2018. The title of this year's event is called Leading Wildly Inclusive Schools. Who can come to this event? It's open to anyone. We do, though, really prioritize school leaders, and we look at school leaders broadly. We look at school leaders to be superintendents, directors of special education, teacher leaders in schools, even paraprofessional leaders in schools, and then family leaders in schools. So we really do look at leadership broadly, but it's how to create and maintain inclusive schools, and it is amazing. The event, I think, is one of the best events we have all year long. So I just wanted to let people know that if you're interested, you can go to my website, inclusiveschooling.com, and there's a live event section where you will see the Summer Leadership Institute there. Again, it's August 6th, 7th, and 8th, and I'm going to tell you that I'm speaking, George Theo Harris is speaking, Dan Habib is coming to do Intelligent Lives, which I can't hardly wait, Dr. Ross Green will be coming, and he's speaking on challenging behavior. His talk is called Kids Do Well If They Can. And then we've got Shelly Moore coming and she's amazing and she's going to be talking about inclusive education, who, what, where, why, and when. The other thing that we have is three different groups from different school districts that are going to be talking about their experiences becoming inclusive. And then Kayla McKeon is going to be presenting on how I advocate. I forgot to mention along with Dan Habib, Intelligent Lives, Micah Fialka Feldman will be here too. So this incredible three-day lineup of how to create inclusive schools, I just wanted you to know that it is worth the while. So hope to see you there. Go to the website to learn more, so inclusiveschooling.com. So now let's get to our question that this entire podcast is centered around. To remind you, you can always send your questions to me via email, and I might select your question to answer on the podcast. So my email is julie at inclusiveschooling.com. So the question that came to us says this, Dear Julie, I am a superintendent in a large urban school system. I recently heard you present. I am asking what may seem like a simple question to you. Where do I start? How do I create the necessary conditions where inclusive education can take hold in my district? Signed, just getting started, Tom. So, uh, love this question. I think we should jump right into the answer. Tom, I don't know if you did this on purpose or not, but you asked a question and embedded in the question was the phrase necessary conditions. You said, how do I create the necessary conditions where inclusive education can take hold in my district? And it reminds me of my favorite quote by Bell Hooks. 
The quote is, to teach in a manner that respects and cares for the souls of all our students is essential if we are to provide the necessary conditions where learning can most deeply and intimately begin. I personally love that quote. And I love your question because it's really, how do we do this on the ground? But more than that, it sounds like you're asking the question of a gardener. It sounds like you're asking, how do I create the conditions where we can make this happen? And I've been thinking a lot about gardening lately. My grandmother, her name is Josephine, she passed away at age 103, was one of the most incredible gardeners that I have ever known. Not only did I appreciate her gardens, but she every year would win this garden award in St. Paul, Minnesota. And she won up until she was in her 100s for sure. And my grandmother taught me a lot about gardening just by the things she said or the ways that she talked to me about how to garden. My favorite thing that she talked about, though, was preparing the soil. And it's something I didn't really think a lot about uh, when I thought about gardening. I thought about the flowers and how they looked and weeding and all those kind of things and the maintenance. But I realized that the magic in gardening is in creating the environment or the necessary conditions where growth can take place. So I'm thinking of you today, Tom, as a gardener, asking the questions, you know, what kind of soil do I need? What's the right light? What's the water like? How do we remove pests? How do we make this all work? I believe in taking visual notes. And after I read your question, I literally drew a flower. And then the flower has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven petals on it. And I answered the question in the form of a flower. So that's a little uh, information about how my brain works. And I recommend you do the same thing. If you're taking notes, feel free to create your own garden or your own flower as you take notes. And so essentially what I did for each of the petals is I came up with a answer to the question. And one of the petals, I put students in the center. So I, they, I drew a, a student in the center. My first petal, though, has the word vision on it. And Tom, when you are a leader in an inclusive school, one of the most important things you can do is have an inclusive vision. I'm going to use an example of Meg, who's a principal that I've studied and spent a lot of time with. And this is what she said about her school. We know that inclusive services are best for students with both significant and mild disabilities. We know that teams of professionals working in inclusive classrooms are better positioned to meet the needs of each learner in the classroom, the high flyer and the struggling student. I believe that each student in this school deserves full and unfettered access to general education peers and general education teachers. This is not up for discussion. We can and we will successfully include all students who come to us. We will figure out how to do this together, but we will do this. So that is really a written vision statement. Now, she's a principal. She's not a superintendent. But I think, man, that is nice and clear. Her vision is one of the pieces for creating the environment and the conditions where inclusive education can occur. The second petal on my flower is the word schedules. And I really think a lot about administrators in terms of the conditions that they create very much are logistical in nature and schedule-centered. And one of the ways is to really look at what is the typical schedule of any student in that particular school. So let's say you just look at your elementary schools first, or you look at your middle schools or your high schools. It doesn't matter. What is a schedule of a typical student? 
And the goal would be how do we get the schedules of students with disabilities to be similar, if not the same, as other students' schedules. So scheduling was my second pedal. My third pedal I put was culture and climate. This is a bit of the art of the work. How do you create a culture where teachers know it's okay to take risks? How do you create a culture where all people, whether they're students or educators, feel like they deeply belong? I don't know that I can answer that question for you on the podcast about how to do that in your school, but what I often do is bring groups of people together and pose that question. What do the hallways look like if we're more inclusive? What does the front office look like if we're more inclusive? What do the classrooms look like if they're more inclusive? What do they sound like, etc.? So that's just something that I'm posing to you and just to really think a lot about the culture and climate of your school district and how to improve it. And my best suggestion is to pull together a team of folks to really study the culture and climate and study how it can be improved. The fourth petal on my flower is natural proportions. This one is a really easy one to measure. And here it is. If you have 12% of your kids in your district have disabilities, which is the national average, you would expect in any one classroom to have no more than 12% have kids with labels. Natural proportions is a very good way to look at how close are we to inclusive practices. So in any one classroom, we'd expect the percentages to be naturally occurring. So if 12% of kids have labels in your school district, you wouldn't want a lot more than 12% in any one classroom or any one room. So natural proportions would be another. The sixth petal on my flower is called team teaching. And it is really about how educators work together and see themselves as equal members of the team and also see themselves as equally responsible for the education of all students. One way that I often know that it's a very inclusive school is when people identify themselves as teams. So this is the fifth grade team, or this is the English team, or this is the social studies team. And embedded on that team is special education and or talented and gifted services and or English language learning services all together on the team. I find that school districts that consider themselves really separate, so this is the special education department, and then there's the English and the math, et cetera, that's a really good indicator that a district is not deeply inclusive. The last petal on my flower is about the classroom practice. And the classroom practice really being any time you walk into the classroom, you should expect to see engagement of all learners. You should expect to see students who are not all seated. You should expect to see students engaging in all kinds of ways in deep, motivating, interesting, differentiated instruction. If you're interested, I have a great resource for you. George Theo Harris and I wrote a book called The Principal's Handbook for Leading Inclusive Schools. The reason I bring it up is I think this handbook is really useful for any administrator in terms of how to create inclusive schools. 
And in every chapter, I've got the book in front of me, at the end of every single chapter, there is what we call look-fors. So basically in any classroom, what do you want to look for to make sure that your team is really operating in inclusive ways? So we've got the classroom environment feedback form, for example. So really, what are you looking for when it comes to the classroom environment? So here's an example. For the classroom environment feedback form, we want students to be seated throughout the classroom and not students with disabilities being seated together. Students being provided choice in where they're seated. All students are equally spaced out through the classroom. When it comes to student ownership, student work and art are displayed throughout the classroom. The written rules, calendars, agenda, and so forth are present in the classroom. When it comes to the space, there are quiet areas available for students. When it comes to materials and accommodations, teachers are providing all the necessary accommodations and materials. Students have access to their accommodations and communication devices. Teachers are using language and tone that is positive and respectful towards students. Those are examples uh, within this book. So if you're interested, it's on the website. It's called The Principal's Handbook for Leading Inclusive Schools, written by me and George Theo Harris. That might be a really good place to go to get look-fors that are maybe more in-depth than this podcast. Okay. So that's the end of the petals on my flower. And then what I did is I thought about the dirt and the ground and all that has to happen in order to make that flower grow and ultimately our students grow. So in the dirt, what I did is I just wrote that bell hooks quote, to teach in a manner that respects and cares for the souls of all our students is essential. If we are to provide the necessary conditions where learning can most deeply and intimately begin. I want you to think about that quote in terms of I'm going to ask you now to sub out the word teachers for students. To teach in a manner that respects and cares for the souls of our teachers is essential if we are to provide the necessary conditions where learning can most deeply and intimately begin. Let's not forget that for many educators, inclusion involves a learning curve. And we have to be kind and we have to be gentle and we have to have very high expectations. So Tom, I want to thank you for that question. And I hope that you've drawn your own flowers or your own gardens, but more importantly, that you begin to ask this question of your own schools. How can we create the conditions where inclusive education can most deeply and intimately begin? Thank you so much for joining me today. And I am sending you love and light and well-drained soil so that you can grow, but most importantly, so that you can help others grow in inclusive ways. Don't forget to sign up for the Summer Leadership Institute on my website, inclusiveschooling.com. It's under the live events, Summer Leadership Institute. It is going to be amazing. And please share this podcast with any school administrator that you know and love and would love to hear this information. Thank you so much with warm, inclusive wishes. 